2018 has been quite the year for cybersecurity, from the high-profile Cambridge Analytica data leak to the global WannaCry ransomware attacks and the exposure of other IT vulnerabilities. Organisations have their hands full just to stay on top. I'm Steve Dunn from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, we'll learn more about the IT security threats facing businesses and also why organisations themselves have a key role to play in fending off cybersecurity attacks. We're joined by Archana Ramamurthy, Director of Product Management at Workday, who, among other things, helps set security product strategy and deliver Workday's security product vision and roadmap to customers across the globe. Welcome to Vienna, Archana. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, diving straight in, I mentioned briefly at the top of the show, it's been quite a year in terms of cybersecurity. Um, can you talk us through some of the main threats that we've seen and about the security landscape, perhaps a little bit more broadly? Yeah, this has certainly been the year that's made CIOs sit up and actually reevaluate what their business applications are doing. Um, we've seen widespread hardware vulnerabilities. We've seen high-profile phishing attacks. We've seen data leaks and data breaches almost everywhere in the world. And hardware and software are both being targeted. And the primary motivation, of course, is money. So they, people want to extract as much data as possible and make as much money as possible. I read somewhere that cybersecurity spending will exceed $1 trillion from 2017 to 2021. Is this due to the sophistication of new cyber criminals, or is the threat within organizations still a major area that businesses have to tackle? Um, I think it's a mix of both, actually. Um, it starts with employees, of course, and we have a very global workforce these days. And the pl- proliferation of devices is the next thing. There are so many devices that people are using every day. And the financial motivations behind extracting data is, of course, a huge thing for the cyber criminals, if you think about it. And with a globally dispersed workforce, it's super hard for us to define boundaries and perimeters um, for access within organizations. So what this leads to, along with the, the number of devices that people have, is that people are now starting to use their own personal devices to access work information. So there are not enough boundaries. And we also see that a lot of money is actually being pumped into black hat activities. And this is mainly because of the profit margins that they're seeing. It's really high value for them to attack one company, have a very sophisticated way to extract information, and then use that piece of information to gain access to identities in the world. And just to quote some numbers um, to see the impact, we see that about 45% of IT professionals, this is people that are working within companies, are knowingly circumventing their own policies. When one person does it, they probably don't think about it as much, and they're like, it's just a small thing that I'm doing, and I'm changing this in a slightly different way to get things done faster, but think about the staggering number of 45%. The same thing with uh, people that are aware of the effects of phishing still going and clicking the phishing links. So 78% of people click on phishing links when they receive an email with a link that they don't recognize. And the worst part or the worst number that scared me the most was that the amount or the number of days for which a lurker actually stays within your network is 140 days. So someone could be hiding in your network for 140 days, extracting as much information as possible. And we're seeing the effects of almost all of this in the widespread data breaches and leaks that you mentioned, like Cambridge Analytica. To summarize, it's extremely critical for companies to act quickly and employ better mechanisms to prevent and detect these breaches so that as like, you know, if they know that this is happening, they can actually take action. 
Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, I've heard you talk a, a few times before about, you know, how humans are generally the weakest link when it, when it comes to security. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I, I think I'm, I'm probably thinking of myself and, you know, not, not changing my passwords or, or leaving passwords on uh, post-it notes on, on monitors, etc. Yeah. You know, how is, how is that important as these phishing attacks increase? I'm going to ask you a question back. <laughs> have you okay. watched the movie Catch Me If You Can? I have. That's the Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Yes, yeah. it is. So if you think back to the person in the movie, Leonardo, yeah. um, so he plays the role of uh, Frank Abagnale, and Frank is one of the most uh, reputed authorities on subjects of forgery, embezzlement, and secure documents. But if you rewind the story and go back to when Frank was 16 years old, you see that he was in, um, he didn't start out his career as um, you know, a security specialist. But instead, he understood that almost all systems in the world were reliant on human trust. And he took advantage of that and learned how to break those systems. He was successfully able to forge checks. He was able to fly illegally on 250-plus flights. He was able to forge his identification, switch careers without qualifications. So he pretty much did everything that you could think of. And not much has changed today. A lot of us, um, in fact, are willing to click on email links, even if we aren't expecting that urgent package delivery. And curiosity, unfortunately, makes us the weakest link in the chain. And this lets the hacker community exploit this weakness. However, not all is bad. We do learn from our mistakes, and that's exactly what we saw in Frank's story. He was only able to keep up these activities um, for a point in time until people realized that he was doing this over and over again. He was caught and he was punished. And this makes it important to raise awareness around phishing and social engineering attacks um, within companies. And if you go back to what happened even this week, the ISP routing of Google requests um, eventually resulted in an outage. And this is a classic example of how global internet protocols heavily rely on trust. It wasn't a breach, but it was just us relying on systems that are completely based on trust. Yeah, yeah, that's it's interesting. I think uh, Frank Abinell is now a, a well-paid security advisor for some of the, the biggest organizations yeah, in the world. I think he is. Like, yeah, um, th- that's really cool. I mean, in terms of how, how alive businesses are to the threats that are out there, do you think... Do you think they're really awake to that, or do you think there's still a it-won't-happen-to-me style mentality with, within business today? We've certainly seen the it-won't-happen-to-me <laughs> style mentality a lot of times. Um, and this industry is lucrative for a reason. It's lucrative because a lot of companies are not tuning in, as they should be. And InfoSecurity magazine published some staggering stats, and it shows that about 76% of companies have been attacked at some point. And 25% of the times, these attacks come from internal actors. And these are the people that we talked about, the people that are circumventing their own policies, not because they might have a malicious intent, but because they want to get their work done faster. But that sort of results in some of the problems that we're seeing in the industry. And the it won't happen to me attitude has to change. And it has to change sooner rather than later. And you know, simple measures like enabling MFA for all users um, can protect customers and their employees and their data. And it, of course, it's not the perfect solution. And there never is going to be a perfect solution with security, given how much the threat landscape changes every day. But it's at least better to start somewhere. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know you spend a lot of time kind of looking at the product and, and speaking to people within the industry and customers to talk about how they're dealing with the threat of cybersecurity. In terms of why they're not handling it or what the biggest challenges are to, to stopping these threats, what do you hear when you speak to these people? Yeah, we actually did a lot of user research last year to talk to some of our customers around what they are thinking about when it comes to security. And one of the common themes or trends we're seeing is that almost everyone's aware Everyone sort of understands that there is a ticking time bomb. Everyone understands that the security landscape is ever-changing. There's certainly a sense of uncertainty around what might happen tomorrow, and they understand that there's no single solution to fix everything. So the things that I've talked about, people sort of know about it a little bit, um, but I would think that you know it's, it's great that people recognize this. I, that's at least the first key step um, to solving some of these problems. So being able to recognize that a problem exists, understanding what the problem might be, and then recognizing what needs to be done to fix some of those problems to have a strong security strategy that's not static but more dynamic is what's going to get us further. So I think our customers are in a better position because of all of the awareness that we raise from a workday standpoint as well. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I think, again, just to, th- to throw a little um, additional question into the mix for, for a second is, this is not something that just gets solved in you know once and it's it's done right. You know, cybersecurity is something yeah. that's constantly evolving. Is that absolutely? I think you hit the nail on the head. There is no single set and done strategy when it comes to security, and people have to constantly evaluate their posture. If something you do in your business is no longer viable in the next five years, you change your business strategy. The same has to be the case with security as well. Yeah. Yeah, so thinking about kind of that, that future, and there's a lot of talk this week, obviously, here in Vienna with, uh, with Workday Rising Europe about you know, the potential of machine learning, fraud detection, and other areas of security. How do you see kind of machine learning and artificial intelligence, that sort of thing, you know, coming into the security mix? Yeah, machine learning is something that's been in the works for the past few years. Everyone talks about it. Everyone understands that it's important for us to recognize and learn about our historic data. And that's exactly what machine learning can do even in the security side of things. So Gartner actually describes a step-based approach to understand people and their usage of the product and use that information to build machine learning models. And again, the goal for us is to move away from static rule sets and move to a much more dynamic setup that understands you as a person and then applies rules for your access into the Workday system or any system for that matter. So for example, if we have a knowledge graph around me, to say that Archana as a person um, logs into her system at 4 a.m. every day um, and she's a manager, so she likes to approve things at 4 a.m., for example. Mm-hmm. And let's say that, you know, she always logs in from Pleasanton. But if there is a deviation from that setup and if Archana is logging in at 3 p.m. from Vienna, then you know there is possibly a risk factor associated with that particular login. So using the historic data that's been built off of me as a person, I can now say that I probably shouldn't have access to certain things because I'm coming in from a location that's unknown at a time that's usually not the time I log in, and maybe I'm given restricted access into the system. And that's the way Workday wants to go. So we currently have a lot of static rule sets. We provide our customers with the capability to set up those rule sets based on what their businesses do, but we also want to equip them with the information about what their users are doing within the platform. And then we can use that information to generate risk assessment scores for each one of our users and then let our customers define what they want to do with those scores. So definitely something that we're investing a lot in and are designing for the next few years. Now, one thing I'm hearing loud and clear from from the sessions here at Rising Europe and particularly yours was that 
I think security is now a partnership, right? It's it's not just about IT, you know, enforcing and, and, and kind of, you know, putting the smackdown, if you like, on, on employees. It's, it's a partnership that involves employees. Can you tell us about that and, and how that uh, comes together? Yeah, this is certainly one of those areas where the workday tagline of we go further together fits in really, really well. And one model never fits almost everyone when it comes to security. Each business is run in a different way. We have our customers who have their own business requirements. They have their own way of how their users are defined. They have different locations from which these users come in. These users have different roles and responsibilities within their organizations based on where they are in the world. And there is no way in which we can have a single set of security configurations that sort of validate or work for all of these users. Um, So it's important for us as Workday to provide our customers with all the interesting, important, cool features. But then we need our customers to come back to us and use these features. Otherwise, I could be sitting here all day long talking to you about all the investments we're making, but nothing's going to reach our customers if they don't come forward and you know, uptake these functionality that we uh, provide. So I think it's extremely important that we as a community move away from a mentality of security setups being just like a one-way street, and we want a constantly evolving model which will help us fight these problems together. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And we're here in Europe today, and um, the GDPR came into force this year, so I think it's worth spending some time talking about regulation. What are your thoughts on how organizations are, are doing around GDPR and, and how that's that's uh, kind of coming into force? Yeah, and with GDPR going live in May, almost every company in the U.S. and around Europe um, are thinking a lot about how they would implement some of the regulations and restrictions around data access and data extraction. And it's interesting for us as Workday at this juncture because we go back to what we thought about when we built our foundations. Our foundations were built with trust and security being the center of everything. And privacy was woven into the very fabric of our offering. And of course, all of this is centered around our employees or our end users. So we tie everything together really well. And I feel like it's one of the areas where um, the investments that we've made in the past have definitely helped us um, today. That's great. And I, I get the feeling from our conversation that cybersecurity is not going to be, uh, the threats are not going to be going away anywhere anytime soon. So as organizations look to face cybersecurity head on in 2019, uh, what, what would you say to, in terms of advice or things that they can do um, to get ahead of the curve? I would say start with making those investments. Start with investing that money today because we're seeing what the cybersecurity spend is going to be in 2021. So we can see that the, the threats are not going down. They are only going up. And this means that a quarterly review of security settings, not just for Workday, but for any business application that a customer might be using, is extremely critical. And investing in awareness training for employees is also the next thing that I would say is probably something that customers should look into. So having internal fish me campaigns, sending them phishing links and seeing how they react, and then giving them feedback on what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Um, And then probably having an incident response playbook. So what happens if you have an incident? Who are the people that need to be involved? And what kind of interactions should we have with those people? And last, I would say that, you know, having a clear incident response team that handles some of these cases that might come forth. Putting together a team after something's happened is really, really hard. And so having that all in place is really going to be important. And of course, giving back. 
right? It's important for us, as I said, to solve this problem as a community. It's not a fight that we can have individually. So sharing um, on Workday community or other forums on how we can solve this problem better and anything that customers have done on their side that might be beneficial for us or for all of our customers is certainly something that we always look back to. So I would say that, you know, working together will certainly move us from being the weakest link to the first line of defense. That's perfect. Well, that's all we have time for today. I want to thank Archana Ramamurthy from Workday for joining us at the Workday podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast. I'm Steve Dunn, and thanks for listening.